0: My name is Corné van Walbeek. I am a professor in the School of Economics at the University of Cape Town, and I have the honor to be the editor of the second supplement on the ITC data that specifically focuses on economic issues. And before we talk more about what exactly is in there, I'd like to introduce my two panelists, Professor Jeffrey Fong from the University of Waterloo and Professor Frank Chalupka from the University of Illinois in Chicago. So, Jeff, if you don't mind, would you just introduce yourself and say a few words about yourself?
1: Uh, thanks, Corney. About 13 years ago, we created the ITC project, the International Tobacco Control Policy Evaluation Project. And we did so at a time when the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control was going into its final negotiation phase. And it came into effect in 2003 We realized that in the next few years, uh, there were going to be a tremendous number of tobacco control policies and initiatives that were going to be implemented throughout the world. And at the time, there was no evidence system for looking at the impact of these FCTC policies. And so we created the ITC project in 2002. Uh, Since that time, we have grown uh, starting first in four countries Canada, United States, United Kingdom, and Australia. We've now expanded to 22 countries, and we're about to expand even more in the near future. And in each of these countries, we created longitudinal cohort surveys that were designed to evaluate policies that the 22 countries would be implementing or would be obligated to implement over time. And these include uh, smoke-free laws and graphic warning labels and restrictions or bans on tobacco advertising promotion and sponsorship, illicit trade, support for cessation, and other domains of the FCTC. So since that time, we've accumulated to a research group of over 100 researchers across the world, Including very large countries uh, where the tobacco epidemic, because of population and because of prevalence, is very high uh, India, China, Brazil, uh, to high income countries that I've mentioned before, and also most recently to low income countries and in Africa and in South Asia uh, Bangladesh, India, Kenya, uh, Zambia, and Mauritius. And so One of the important things that we're trying to find out in the ITC project is, what is the impact of these FCTC policies? Questions like, do graphic warning labels indeed increase the effectiveness of warnings? Do smoke-free laws work? And if so, do they work across the world? Are there places in the world that they don't work very well? And are there places where we can understand the active ingredients for a successful smoke-free lawn. So that is uh, what we've been doing, and we continue to go in new places throughout the world, including possibly the eastern Mediterranean region, uh, in the next few years.
0: Jeff, thanks very much for that very comprehensive overview of the project. There's... A significant role for economics in the ITC as well. And I know that you are involved, of course, with the ITC, but Frank, as the professor of economics and specifically focused on economic issues within the ITC, Frank, could you just
2: introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the role of economics in the ITC project? Sure. Thanks, Corneille. So I'm an economist at the University of Illinois in Chicago and have been working on the economics of tobacco control for almost 30 years at this point. So I was very excited when Jeff recruited me into the ITC team early on to uh, focus on some of the economic issues. One of the things that we know is that over the years, the economic arguments around tobacco and tobacco control um, have become increasingly important um, in terms of, of impacting on countries' abilities to adapt tobacco control policies. Um, and the ITC data are great in terms of really providing um, a rich set of information on a variety of different factors that relate to economics. Um, so, particularly um, issues around purchase behaviors and brand choices and what smokers are paying for cigarettes in different countries, issues around how they try to avoid or evade the taxes that countries are applying. It really gives us an opportunity to systematically look around the world um, as countries have adopted increases in taxes and changes in their tax structures and how this all plays out in terms of tobacco um, use behaviors. So this is, is something that has been central, I think, to the ITC project from the start. And we're really seeing in this supplement the sort of research that can come out using these data. Thank you very much, Frank so in the current
0: supplement, what we have is 13 papers that look at a variety of economic issues. These papers have got a pretty wide geographical spread. Pretty much all regions of the world are covered in one way or another. And then there are a number of papers that take a a multi-country type of approach, which also includes a number of countries in Europe. Uh, Frank, if you were to summarize some of the most interesting and and most uh, enlightening findings of the current uh, supplement, which of those
2: would you be focusing on? Oh, that's a really challenging question. Uh, I think there's so many different things that are covered in the different papers that uh, really do make unique contributions. Again, take advantage of the, the riches of the ITC data. So just to highlight a, a few of the findings from some of the papers that I've been involved in uh, with some of my colleagues, I think some of the work that has been led by Xi um which shows the importance of tax structure, first with a descriptive paper in the first economic supplement, but then with a, a more rigorous empirical analysis in, in the new supplements, really demonstrates that it's not just um, important to tax tobacco products in in terms of influencing price, but it's also very important um, to look at how those products are being taxed. So the types of tax systems that countries use ends up having a significant impact on the distribution of cigarette prices. and really creates opportunities for smokers to avoid tax increases by switching down to cheaper brands, for example, when taxes go up. In countries where there are more complicated tax structures, especially those that, that tax low price products at very low rates. I think a, a second is looking again at how smokers respond to, to tax increases in terms of changing their tobacco use behaviors. So there's another nice paper that's led by Dardo Curdy that looks at the Uruguay data. Uh, to specifically look at some of the issues around tax avoidance and tax evasion in response to to changes in taxes. So specifically looking at increases in cigarette taxes in Uruguay and other tobacco product taxes that differentially affected um, roll-your-own-tobacco versus manufactured cigarettes. And what we see in that paper is good evidence that The differential, um, the taxes, roll your own at a lower rate, ends up leading to uh, cigarette smokers, manufactured cigarette smokers, switching to roll your own cigarettes in response to the increases in cigarette taxes. So that has important policy implications in, in terms of really making sure that like tobacco products are taxed at similar levels so that you can avoid that sort of substitution and then maximize the public health impact of the tax increases. We see some of the same um, evidence in the U.S. looking at what's been happening over time in a paper that was led by Monica Cornelius that, again, looks at the, the changes in taxes and prices over time in the U.S. and then how that's affected purchase behaviors. And part of what we're seeing there is that as prices have gone up, we've seen some changes in how smokers are buying cigarettes, so um, taking advantage of multi-pack deals and things like that, um, which help reduce the cost per pack. Then also increasing the, the likelihood that they buy from lower price sources. Um, so to some extent moving to tobacco-only outlets, um, which typically have some cheaper products available, but also then increasingly uh, trying to avoid those taxes in different ways. Um, and then we see in paper for Mauritius, for example, that, that you highlighted that it's really the, the comprehensiveness of the approach um, that can have a significant impact. So this is a paper that was led by Sunday Azagba and looking at the, the combination of the tax increases that happened in Mauritius along with the uh, mass media campaign that came about around the same time. I mean, really showing that the, the combination of those two interventions did lead to significant reductions in smoking in Mauritius. And then the last one that I'll highlight, well, I guess maybe two more that I'll highlight, uh, one that was done led by Al Alex Lieber, that looked at the Malaysia data, really starts to explore some of the the non-tax policies that can affect the prices for tobacco products. So specifically looking at the, the minimum price law that Malaysia adopted, and we can look at how that policy change affected the prices that smokers report paying for cigarettes, both before um, and then after. And I think the key takeaway from that paper is that uh, minimum price policy may be a good idea, but it really depends on what the minimum price is that's set by that policy. So part of the problem that we see in Malaysia is that the policy really didn't end up having much of an impact on the prices that smokers are paying for cigarettes, um, in part because most of the cigarettes that were already being consumed were being purchased at prices that were above that minimum price. And then the last one that I will highlight is another paper that sees like that is part of the work that she's been doing, looking at not just the the economic measures in the ITC data, but also looking at um, some of the questions around how people perceive tobacco products, and specifically in this case, looking at the perceptions around the use of tobacco, cigarettes in particular, as a weight control mechanism. And this, I think, has, again, important policy implications. So part of what C sees is that there are at least um, some significant number of smokers that perceive tobacco use, um, cigarette smoking, as a way of controlling weight. Um, So again, I think it's got implications about the importance of a comprehensive approach to tobacco control so that when cigarette prices are being increased, there's also other things going on, public education campaigns, for example, that correct some of these misperceptions about tobacco use if we're going to have those tax and price increases really have their maximum impact on tobacco use. Thank you very much, Frank. I think that is a very, very comprehensive uh, analysis. What I found particularly
0: interesting was the study by Alex Lieber, the one that you referred to in Malaysia, where uh, even though the results to some extent is a negative result in that the minimum price law that was imposed in Malaysia seemed to not have really hit any target. I suspect what the aim was of the minimum price law is to reduce illicit cigarettes and to increase the price of legal cigarettes. As it was the price was implemented at such a level that pretty much all legal cigarettes were already above the minimum price and were not affected by the minimum price law. And it seems that the illegal cigarettes, uh, which were primarily below the price, remained below the price. And there was, in fact, an increase in the quantity of illicit cigarettes that were consumed in Malaysia between the different waves. Of the ITC. So, even though it is a very negative conclusion that uh, Alex Lieber and his colleagues came to, I think it's very useful in that it emphasizes the fact that of the two policies that are available, the one being uh, excise tax increases and the other one imposing a minimum price, the more effective one by far is actually increasing the excise tax and increasing the excise tax will automatically result in an increase in the price. And the good news of that is that the revenues that can be obtained from the increased excise taxes, of course, go to the government, not to the tobacco industry. Another paper is the paper by Poc and colleagues who look at what price is required for Korean smokers for them to quit or to attempt to quit smoking. And what was particularly interesting over there is how that price decreases as people are becoming more aware of tobacco control policies. In other words, people are more likely to attempt to quit at a lower price if there are strong tobacco control policies that are being implemented. And what we see in that particular study is that there's a very significant synergy between increasing the excise tax and increasing the price of cigarettes together with other tobacco control policies like banning advertising, like having cessation services available, etc.
1: Corney, I think that's a really interesting point because virtually all of the work on evaluating tobacco control policies that I am aware of really look at the policies as single entities. Sometimes they may control for others, other initiatives or or policies that are being implemented at the same time but there hasn't been a really strong and full consideration of the interactions between these policies and i think that the korean study is an example of how if you have measures of all of the policies of the fctc within the same survey it's possible to examine the interactions and the synergies across the policies and in this particular case how the importance of price may be less important to people as the other tobacco control domains come up to it so i think that's an example of a very interesting phenomenon that has been not very well studied um so far Absolutely,
0: yeah. So one of the studies that I found interesting, because it covers an area where not many studies have been done, and that is in the whole continent of Africa, was a study on brand loyalty in Zambia. And they looked at the first wave of data that has been generated by the ITC in Zambia. And they specifically look at brand loyalty. And they come to, to some extent, a predictable type of result. And that is that the degree of brand loyalty in Zambia, as it is in most countries, is in fact quite high. And what we find is that brand loyalty is important in those countries. And especially amongst older and poorer smokers, we actually find that the degree of brand loyalty is is very high. Abraham Brown and colleagues did a very interesting study looking at roll-your-own cigarette use in four important countries in Europe, the UK, France, Germany, and the Netherlands. And basically what they find is that roll-your-own is significantly cheaper because the excise tax on roll-your-own tobacco in those countries is less than the excise tax on cigarettes, although over time there has been an increase, both absolutely and relatively, of the excise tax on roll-your-own tobacco. So there is a a degree of convergence in the price between manufactured cigarettes and roll-your-own cigarettes. And What they find is that there has been a pretty significant increase in the use of roll-your-own cigarettes in all of those countries. So it's clear that people do actually respond to the economic incentives that are placed in front of them. The challenge, of course, for these governments and for tobacco control advocates is to try and minimize this downtrading of cigarettes. And I think that within itself is a pretty important policy implication. The fact that one wants to create as few loopholes as possible in order to get people to quit smoking rather than to downtrade to other forms of tobacco.
2: I think one of the other interesting takeaways in that study, Corney, is the questions that they looked at around perceptions of the relative risk of roll-your-own versus manufactured cigarettes. Agree. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think that there was some, at least subset of respondents that, that seemed to think that roll your own cigarettes were going to be somehow less harmful or safer than traditional manufactured cigarettes. So again, it comes back to the, the idea that oftentimes, in addition to tax and price increases, we also need to be thinking about other interventions that help to correct some of these misperceptions. So as taxes and prices have gone up, it would be useful to to highlight the fact that there is no such thing as, as a safe combustible tobacco product and switching to roll your own in response to those price increases isn't going to somehow make you better off both economically as, as well as in terms of health impact. Correct. There were also two interesting studies on China. One of those studies was led by my colleague Zhidong Huang. And part of what the team was looking at was how different populations, different subpopulations based on education and income in China responded to cigarette price changes. And I think the, the key takeaway here is that cigarette demand in China is not very responsive to price. And I think in part this comes back to some of what we've seen around tax structure and affordability and some of the other work that's come out of the ITC project. So you know, in China, the tax the structure is relatively complicated. Cheap brands are taxed at very low levels. So there is this, this opportunity to downtrade, as we were talking about with some of the other studies, to cheaper brands as taxes and prices are going up. And in part, what we see in China is, as a result, there, there's not much of an impact of price on cigarette consumption by smokers. And then there's really not as much of a difference as one would expect in terms of how different smokers at different income levels or at different education levels respond to those changes in prices, just given, I think, the availability of, of these really cheap cigarettes and the opportunities to downtrade. So I think that was the, the key findings from Jidong's study. There was a second study that I think amplifies some of those findings. And part of what they were looking here at are brand choices. And again, it's very consistent with what comes out of Jidong's study in terms of seeing people switching to cheaper brands as taxes and prices are going up. So um, what they find is that um, you do see some evidence of this sort of brand switching in response response to price changes, um, that you particularly see it at the low-income, less-educated parts of the population. I think the two papers complement each other very nicely in terms of really demonstrating that, just given the the sort of tax system that's in place in China, given the opportunities for substitution to cheaper brands, Mm -hmm. that you don't get as, as big of a benefit in China from tax and price increases as you see elsewhere.
0: Thanks, Frank. So the last two studies that I want to just briefly talk about
2: are two studies that both take
0: place in Mexico and they specifically focus on the impact of the neighborhood environment on smoking behavior. And uh, the one study specifically looks at how does the neighborhood have an influence on quitting behavior? And they find they focus specifically on smoking intensity. And the reason they focus on smoking intensity because that's a peculiarity of the ITC data where there's a focus on smokers rather than on the general population. So what they then find uh, is that especially in more deprived neighborhoods, people tend to smoke less per smoker than what is the case in less deprived neighborhoods. Uh, The other study that I thought really, really interesting considers access to single cigarettes in neighborhoods and how that influences people's decision to quit and their relapse if they have quit. And even though the results are not very statistically significant, they are certainly suggestive. And they are suggestive that the more single cigarettes are available, one tends to find that that is going to result in lower quitting attempts. And the more single cigarettes that are available is going to increase the likelihood of relapsing if one has quit, Uh, which suggests the following. And that is the availability of cigarettes is an important aspect to consider when one looks at cessation policy, when one looks at how can one help smokers to quit cigarettes and not to have them fall into a relapsed situation. I think we've covered all 13 of the different papers. I think one can probably categorize these papers into three different categories. The first one is how does the price and the tax of cigarettes influence individual behavior? The second one is how does the environment influence people's behavior? And then the third point is how does policy have an impact on people smoking and quitting behaviors? And I think that... Despite the fact that there's a huge diversity of approaches, a huge diversity of countries that are included in the supplement every year, what we do find is that there is a consistency of the results, effectively saying that policy does work. So, Jeff, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to comment on or just like to express?
1: Uh, Well, I think that the diversity and the depth of the articles in this supplement really highlight the ITC project in it's the diversity of the survey measures and the content that is uh, included in all of the ITC s- surveys across the 22 countries and growing. And over time, we are seeing uh, some convergence of of the kinds of findings that have been suspected uh, from economic theory. But it's really interesting to see how it's playing out in different countries throughout the world and also how economic analyses can be used to understand the impact of non-price policies as well as uh, price and tax policies. Jeff, thanks very much. Frank, any last thoughts?
2: I just would like to highlight the policy relevance of the findings. I mean, so I think the supplement does a really nice job of highlighting the effectiveness of tax and price policies, reducing tobacco use. Um, But at the same time, it highlights some of the limitations of of the policies that are being used in different countries and and the opportunities they create for smokers to switch to cheaper products or to cheaper brands um, or to avoid or evade the taxes. So I think... You know What it does is really demonstrates the importance of tax and price, and at the same time provides some guidance to countries as to how to maximize the effectiveness of their tax policies in particular in achieving their public health and revenue objectives from tobacco tax increases.
0: Thank you very much to both of you.